Good morning. It is good to be here with you. Uh, although, I've got to give you kudos for getting up this early in the morning, you know, and getting out here. It is good to be with you, though. You know, I think about, I think about uh, that manna. Remember, God poured out the manna to His people. And when were they to gather it? Early morning. Because when the sun came up and the sun waxed hot, it melted. It melted. You see, yesterday's experience is no good for today. If we're going to gather the bread, we've got to gather it fresh each day. God's bread to nourish us and strengthen our lives. Now, I didn't always believe that. I didn't always believe that. Well, I didn't believe anything. I wasn't a believer. Matter of fact, uh, some of you probably heard my testimony. I was a drug dealer, an alcoholic, and a thief. But I stand here today and saying, God has incredible power. God wants to speak to hearts and lives everywhere to draw them to Him. It's the devil's lie that God is not love. It's the absolute lie of the devil. He doesn't want people to know how wonderful and how loving God is. But like I said, I, I didn't believe in, in a God at all. Uh, well, I, I may have thought there was something out there, but, uh, you know, just I, I didn't care. One day I was in a little tiny room and I was smoking some some grass, and all of a sudden that room expanded into this huge auditorium. A great big auditorium. It was, it was something like this, and I was sitting up on the top bleachers, looking down, and there was a table and two chairs and two people sitting in those chairs, and I didn't need any introduction. I knew it was God and the devil. I listened. The devil would use an argument over me. They were arguing over me. The devil would begin saying something, and then God would say something back, and I don't know what it was. I could never quite understand what God was saying, but the devil would shut up. And then in a moment, the devil would use another argument. And it's funny, all these arguments, well, it really isn't funny, but, but it, was, it was amazing to me that the arguments the devil was using were the same arguments I would always use to tell other people about, you should try drugs, you should try all these great things. These were the arguments he was using over me. Again, God would speak. The devil would have to be silent. This went back and forth, this interchange for quite some time. And then all of a sudden, it was over. And in an instant, I was back down in my little tiny room, stone cold, straight, and sober. And I thought, what just happened? What, what on earth happened anyway? What, what's going on? <laughs> and just like I'm talking with you right now, a voice a voice said, Jim, you have a short time to decide. I went, what's going on? I've taken all these drugs. I've taken everything. I've taken acid and I've taken mescaline and I've taken this and I've taken that. I've taken all these things. But what is going on? And every time I would get loaded from that day forward, uh, the voice, the same voice would say, Jim, you've got a short time to decide. Well, it got so bad after a while, it drove me crazy. And finally, I decided I just had to quit because it was no fun. I just couldn't stand this voice all the time. And I, well, I, I, for months, I, I tried to study my Bible. I, 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 had a, I had a Bible, actually. I found one. But it just didn't seem like it made sense. And, and I didn't know what to do. Eight months passed. And finally, I found myself crying myself to sleep at night. I wanted something so badly. I thought I'll go to the local bar. You know, that's okay. 
uh, I, I won't do the, 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 uh, the drugs, but the alcohol is just fine. Went down the local bar, and the old saying, it takes one to know one. This guy walked into the bar, and I thought, that guy's packing. He sat down, and he said, I need a ride to the next town. Anybody here take me? I said, sure, I'll be happy to take you. And I, I uh, got in the car. He got in the car. As soon as he was in the car, he lit up. Man, I had that joint out of his hand and in my mouth so fast, he didn't even have time to think. And whew, no voice. Oh, this was good. Well, little time went by, and I was dating a nice young lady. And let me tell you, she was a nice young lady. She, she had never done anything wrong. She, her whole life, she had been so sweet and kind and wonderful until she met me. And then you see, it was just like, it was just like Satan sitting in that tree of that tree there, whispering to Eve, oh, go ahead, Eve, try it. It'll, it'll expand your mind. It'll take you to a, to a level that you, you won't hardly imagine. Go ahead, Eve, try it. You see, today all the drugs, young people, if you're listening or if you're in the audience today, you, that's what the devil's doing right now. Say, go ahead, try it. It'll, it'll, just, it'll make you like God. You'll understand something greater than you do right now. It'll give you a release. It'll give you peace. It'll give you happiness beyond what you have. And Eve took it. Why? For a moment, there was this excitement, this exhilaration. It was, this was good stuff. I've got to run back and I've got to give it to Adam too. Adam, Adam, try it. They were the first drug dealers. Try it. I got my, I got my girlfriend going and... and Pretty soon, we were, that's all we were doing all the time. Well, we finally, actually, I took her down to a river one day. I got her stoned, and I asked her to marry me when she was stoned. Now, I want to fast forward for you for just a second, because I may forget this otherwise. But in that same river, sometime later, that's where we were baptized. God is good. God has more power than the devil. I've read my Bible from cover to cover, and God never loses. God is, God is a, a wonderful God. But right then... Asked her to marry me. She said, yes, we got married. We had a child. We, we, uh, one day we're going down to Sacramento, California. And I meet a bunch of friends there. And I get loaded. And I'm, I'm having a good day with them all day long. And by that evening, Janine's got to drive home because, because I'm too loaded. We get home. She's changing the baby on the kitchen table. It's a small house. Changing the baby on the kitchen table. And I go in the other room. And all of a sudden... Jim, tonight is your last night to decide. Same voice. Jim, tonight is your last night to decide. And it was like there were the crossroads of eternity right there. I went in and I grabbed everything out of the, out of the bureau and I walked out to the room and said, Honey, I've got to flush all this stuff down the toilet. Well, she was loaded by that time and she smiled and okay. I walked into the other room, walked in that bathroom, and I dumped everything into the toilet. It, this isn't the first time I dumped stuff in the toilet. You know, there'd been the, what I, the, the cops knocking at the door before, you know, and I'm jamming stuff in the toilet. No, this was different. Flush that toilet. All of a sudden, it was like this huge weight was lifted off of my shoulders, a weight that I was not aware that I even had. You see, that's the way it is. The devil piles things on us just a teeny bit at a time. Just a little bit here, a little bit there. Pretty soon we've got this monster weight that we're carrying around that the devil said, yes, I'm going to bury him. That's what the devil wants to do with you, you realize. He wants to bury you just one little teeny thing at a time. One little tiny thing at a time. 
But all of a sudden, this huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. And, and man, I was down there grabbing that white porcelain bowl, just crying my eyes out. <laughs> it was just, it was so incredible. And I turned around and there was Janine standing in the doorway and she was crying too. God had touched her heart too. And I, I stood up, I said, honey, would you join me in a prayer? We walked in the other room, arm in arm, stood there, and I said, God, I'm sorry it took so long. That was our prayer. Sorry it took so long. Well, and then we thought, well, now what do we do? Well, are, are we Christians? I guess we're Christians. Maybe we ought to go to church. And so we, uh, we went to this, uh, I, won't, I won't mention where it was, but uh, this fellow had married us, so we, we went to his church. But each week, kind of an interesting thing, it was the same words over and over. Christ died for the propitiation of your sins. Those are good words, but every week, that was pretty much the sermon. Every week, same words, same thing. And I, I was hungering for something. I wanted some meat. And after a while, I began saying, oh, there's got to be something more. And uh, traveled and started going to another church. Well, pretty soon, one, one Sunday, I'm sitting at home and there's a beautiful, at that time it was beautiful, you know, and, and talked about uh, the Bible unfolded in living color to you, you know, this beautiful multi-volume set will bring Jesus to your children. And I thought, I don't want my son to ever go through what I went through. I want to buy these. So I called the toll-free number. A toll-free number in those days was a big deal. Anybody remember when a toll-free number was a big deal? You know, you know okay, there's a few of you as old as I am, all right. Uh, called up. Sometime later, this fellow showed up. I bought the books, got them home on the shelf, and after a while I thought, I want to see what's in these. Maybe I should check it out. And I, I opened the first volume and I began reading. Wow, this was good stuff. You know, it was written for children and I could understand it. It began making sense. And I started reading that and I started comparing my Bible and looking through the Bible. As I'm going to this one particular denomination, they're talking about burning in hell forever. I thought, where, where does that say that in my Bible? I, I don't see that in my Bible. I was studying all the time, and I, I looked and I looked, and where, where is this? I began asking. I was at a prayer meeting one night, and, and they're, they're just going on about hell. And I said, please, show me in the Bible where it says that. Show me in the Bible. Well, I pressed it so hard, and they couldn't show me in the Bible that it broke up prayer meeting. The next day, I went and knocked on the pastor's door. Pastor, pastor, please help me understand this. He said, look, Jim, he said, it, it was settled for me. God gave me a vision. On this side were all those that are burning in hell forever, and on this side were all those that were saved. Jim, you ought to just go find another church. He kicked me out of church. Had no answer, just kicked me out of church. Well, I continued to study, and I continued getting discouraged because by now, every place I'm going just doesn't seem like they're talking about what's in the Bible. I couldn't quite understand what, why this was. One day I had a terrible toothache. It was so bad, and I called up this dentist in town who everybody in town said he was just a real religious nut. Called him up. He could get me in. Went over down across the street and sat in his chair. I said, Doctor, I said, what do you believe? Well, you know, he crammed my mouth full of cotton. He started giving me shots, and he started talking. And for the next 45 minutes... Everything that man said was everything I'd been studying. Everything I knew to be the Word of God. It was incredible. When he's done, he finally pulls the stuff out so I can talk. And I said, Doctor, what church do you go to? Oh, he says, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I thought, oh, no. 
I've heard of these crazies before. I want nothing to do with them. Nothing to do with them. I guess he could see the look on my face. And he said, no, if you get an opportunity, he said, come sometime. He said, we, we meet on Sabbath. Sabbath. Hmm. Funny thing, my wife and I had just been arguing over what day was the seventh day. You know, we, she, says, she says, all you got to do is look on your calendar on the wall and, and see what day is the seventh day. And I thought, my wife can't be right. Well, I decided to maybe go to church on that day. And we had a business at that time. We sold exotic animals all over the western United States, wolves and cougars and bears and on and on and on and on. And my wife watched the business and I went to church. Now, I had my pen and my paper, and I thought, every other preacher I've proved wrong, I'll get this preacher too. By this time, I'm getting arrogant about my Bible study. We can do that, can't we, if we don't, have, we don't watch what we're doing? Well, I'm taking notes, and guess what sermon this guy was preaching? The Sabbath. The Sabbath. When's the last time you heard a sermon on Sabbath? You know, maybe you do here, but praise God, because in Michigan... You get the Word of God. Some places, they haven't heard a sermon on Sabbath for 20 years. But I tell you, I took all these notes. I went down the library right after church, and I began studying, you know, the Gregorian calendar and the changes and Mount Palomar Observatory and the sun and the moon and the stars and any changes there and on and on and on and on. And funny thing is, I couldn't prove him wrong. I went back the next week, and he had part two of the Sabbath sermon. I took more notes. And you know what I came to realize is seemed like everything this guy was was preaching was right out of the Bible and everything was right. And I eventually joined that church and I'm still in it today. You know why I'm still in it today? Because I've not found another church that's preaching as much as a truth is is here. If I found another church that preached more truth, I'd have to go there. I'd have to go there if it was preaching more truth. I wouldn't want to stay and try and change this church. It bothers me when people join this church and they want to change my church. No, you know, if you don't like it, go someplace else. I'll just speak straight and plain. Go someplace else. I joined this church because it's preaching the truth. And brothers and sisters, this is God's church. This is God's prophetic church. His end time church. Well, I got so excited, man, I began studying all the time. Pretty soon my wife said, Oh, I wish I could get in between the pages of that book because I'd study till three, four, four, five, sometimes five o'clock in the morning, go to sleep for a couple hours, get up, go to work, and I want to grab everybody around the neck and tell them about Jesus. Oh, it was so exciting. You want to know if you've got God in your life? Is he burning? Is it such a burning sensation that you've got to share Jesus with everybody you come in contact with? That's how you can tell if God's in your life. When he's in your life, you just, you just flow with it. It just, it just glows everywhere. I studied one time with this fellow. I'd I'd get him to my my store and I'd talk with him about Jesus and I'd share Jesus. He said, Jim, Jim, he says, I know that you love God. He said, because I actually see you glow. You actually glow when you talk about it. There's, There's actually a light, he says, I see. And I went, wow, wow. Do you, I want to ask you today, do you glow for Jesus? Do you glow for Jesus? You see, you can glow just like Moses when when he came off that mountain because he spent time with his Lord. I would get up so early in the morning and I'd go out under the trees and I'd pray and I'd pray and I'd pray and I'd study. And I could actually hear God speaking. I could hear God speaking. And you say, yeah, you know, today we look at people, you can hear God speaking, yeah, sure. Hear voices, uh uh-huh. 
You know, in the Old Testament, God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve and He spoke with them. In the New Testament, for those of you who have a red letter edition, you can find pretty easily who that is speaking, can't you? Who was that speaking? Jesus. Jesus spoke to His people in the New Testament. God says, My sheep do what? My sheep hear My voice. My sheep hear My voice. I would submit to you today that if you can't hear the voice of God speaking to you personally, not necessarily audibly, but even through His Word, He speaks through His Word. If you can't hear Him speak to you, you've got a problem at the very core of your Christianity. Because God desires to speak to you. This is the way. Walk ye in it. If you can't hear Him speak to you and tell you that, how are you going to know what way to walk? How are you going to know how to go? How are you going to know what to do in life if you cannot hear the voice of God speaking to you? And the only way, the only way I submit to you that you can be sure is by spending time in prayer and study. And it got so wonderful. It was such an exciting relationship. Soon I felt called to ministry. I felt that I needed to, I needed to go into full-time ministry. And so my wife and I, I was so ignorant at that time. I've got to share with you. I thought everybody who was an Adventist was sewing an ascension robe. These folks came to town one day and they said, we'd like to buy your business and your home. And we had one of the nicest homes in the area at that time. And I just handed over the keys to the business and, and uh, everything else, the, the home, and said, when it closes, send us the money. Dumb. But, uh, you know, it was youth. Youth. Got to school and things were going going well. Even even uh, J, even Greek class. I even got get an A in Greek of all things, and and uh, God helped me to do that. I'll tell you. But soon we discovered that not everything was right in the Adventist Church. Not everybody was a Christian sitting in the pews of the church. And uh, got home, got all those details worked out. And then I had a call from a conference president, Nevada-Utah Conference. Jim, we, we just built a brand new church in Truckee. We'd like you to pastor it. Well, now I'm a skier too. Well, this was pretty nice in a brand new church, everything else. But, you know, I looked at my family. By this time we had two children. Looked at my wife, thought about myself. And I said, no. No. Now, what I had been called to do, had a call, didn't even have to complete school, and I said, no. What had happened? Well, what had happened is, during all this time, I began studying less. I began praying less. And I began losing that connection, that all-important connection of gathering that manna each morning. And I said no to God, and I turned another direction. And within, that, within just a very short time of turning away, someone else came, said, hey, he said, I'm, I'm starting a new real estate office. Would you come join me? I said, yeah, sounds good. My wife worked her other business, and I started into real estate. And I became extremely successful. In the top, excuse me, in the top 4% of all of Coldwell Banker agents in all of North America. <coughs> now, I also had a, a radio talk show. I lobbied in Congress uh, in Capitol Hill. I was a player uh, political player. I wrote uh, newspaper articles, uh, editorial pages. As the world looks, looks at success, I was extremely successful. 
And I, was, I looked good in church, sit in church just like you, had my suit. Matter of fact, I still went out and preached. Only thing I was preaching without the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a real difference. There is a real difference. Preachers can stand in this pulpit and preach, but can be destitute of the Holy Spirit. We can be dry as the hills of Gilboa. And I sat there and in that pew one Sabbath, looking really good, paying tithe, doing all the right things. Voice said, hadn't heard that voice in a long time. Voice said, Jim, the Holy Spirit may be poured out all around you. You're never going to recognize it or receive it. Wow. At that moment, I realized sitting in that church, in that Seventh-day Adventist church, looking nice, doing all the right things, being an upstanding citizen in the community, having all kinds of money, I was lost. I was lost. can happen to you today, here. You can be here this morning listening to me talk, listening to God speaking to your heart, and you can be lost. Well, I got out in the car, and praise God, God has always touched my wife at the same time as, as He touched me. said, honey, I said, we've got to do something for God this year. She said, yeah, she said, we do. I agree. She said, let's do a Maranatha trip. Wow. Okay. And uh, we called up, we called up Maranatha. Where are you going? Well, we're going to Arian Jaya. I had not a clue where that was. And we're going to South America. That I know where that is. So I said, okay, we'll go there. We got down there. We're, we're building on a, on a project and I'm laying brick. I'd never laid brick in my life, but I'm laying brick there with uh, a longtime friend now of mine who was the, at the time, he was one of the vice presidents for Review and Herald Publishing. Lane Brick, and he said, you know, he said, you realize how many people that were the answers to their prayers? Huh, no, I never thought about that. And uh, it just really, really hit me. I had to turn away. Tears started coming down and thinking I was the answer to somebody else's prayers. I hadn't felt like this, this in years. We got back to the tent that night and Janine and I would compare notes and it was so exciting. We got so thrilled about what, what was happening in our lives and we hadn't, like I say, we hadn't felt like this for years and years and years. The Holy Spirit was working in our lives again. I've got to tell you, it's such a wonderful feeling when God works in your life. But you remember, the devil can just pile one tiny thing on your shoulders at a time. Just one thing. And matter of fact, it kind of goes like this. Just today I won't read in God's Word. I, I won't take the time to study and pray. Devil sets this one little thing on your shoulders that day. Next day. Well, you know, I've got so much to do today. There, there's so much. Even the work of God. I've got so much to do today. I not today, I, I don't have time today. Devil sets one more thing on your shoulder that day. And pretty soon, pretty soon you're so drawn away from God, you don't even recognize it any longer. You don't even recognize where you were or where you could be or where you could be in your friendship and your relationship with God. But it got, my, my life and Janine's life, it got so vibrant, it got so exciting. We, we went back home and we said, we've got to do more of this. We went down to the offices of Maranatha 
And we said, what can we do? We want to lead a team. We want to lead a team. They said, well, down in such and such an island, we're just building a big school. And, and uh, matter of fact, they weren't able to finish it. And we need it done right away. Okay, sounds good. If God can put together a team in the next, uh, I think it was seven weeks, we needed at least 35 people, then we'll do it. And you know, around, from around the world and or around the country at that time, in just no time, God put together a team for us. We went down there and we had the tremendous blessings. <coughs> Excuse me. And I had the wonderful opportunity to preach again. And this time, it was so exciting because it was with the Holy Spirit. It was, there's a big difference. And, and you could see hearts and lives responding. Well, we, we just had to do more and more and more and more. Pretty soon one day, we were. this was before... This was before meetings in India were, were a big thing. I mean, there, it was before they were ever popular. We were in India doing a, a large series of meetings. Sabbath, I'm preaching that on Sabbath, and it's the Sabbath sermon telling about, telling about what God wants us to do, how He wants to get together with us on this very special day. Just got into that sermon, all of a sudden over on this side, this woman is wailing and crying and screaming. So much so I had to stop. She comes over, she's got this child draped over her, over her arms, head back, rolled back, eyes rolled back, and looks like no, no breath. You can see no chest is raising anything. This child is just lifeless. And she's just wailing and wailing. Now, I have a friend, another Jim, over in the side. He's a medical doctor. I motion them over to, to come over to this side of the stage. She goes over here with Jim. And as she, as she moves around the corner, more people are looking and more people begin screaming and hollering and wailing and crying. And I think, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I come up to the pulpit again and said, there is a God of heaven who can, who can heal this child. The devil does not want you to hear about the Sabbath message. Let us take our petition to God. Bowed my head, begin to pray. When I would pray, the interpreter would pray, and as he was praying, I'd peek out and look to see what was happening with Jim. And it was pretty much thumbs down. I'd continue to pray, look, thumbs down, pray, look, thumbs down. Finally, pray, look, thumbs up, smiles. Thank you, Jesus Christ, and the most powerful God of the universe, I thank you. It went through that village, it, well, the city actually, it went through that whole city that the Creator God of the universe had raised this child from the dead that night. Got in the car that night. Jim, was that child dead? His medical doctor said, I don't know. He said there was, there was no pulse. Sometimes for us it's a little difficult to, to think what God wants to do in and through us. What he, that he's really the God who's all-powerful. I've had the wonderful opportunity, as Jay said, to travel the world, to, to do so many things, to, to see and go so many places to see how God is transforming hearts and lives everywhere. I was in a little village up in, up in Nepal. This fellow had been a Buddhist monk his entire life. I'm guessing. It's hard to say in some of those places because they're so weather-worn, bless their hearts. That I'm guessing, though, he was maybe in his 60s, 70s at this point. But he'd been a Buddhist his entire life. 
He took me. He took me to his temple. This temple was gorgeous. I mean, it was spectacular. The gold and everything in the place. Everything for the eye to see. You say, wow. And all the, all the monks, it was during their, their worship time. And they could hear the, you know, the, the big, they had the horns that would stretch from all the way from me to you. They go clear down out the floor and you hear, and it would just echo and the, the symbols of ting, ting, ting. And it just, you'd feel it and your, your whole body would just almost resonate with the sound. And the smoke, the incense would rise up and then they'd begin chanting. Say, wow, you know, everything, everything of the senses just say, this is amazing. But this little monk, you know, he said, I had no peace in my life at all. There was no peace in my life whatsoever. One day, tuning to the BBC News and he came across Adventist World Radio programming. I listened. I heard about Jesus Christ. said, all of a sudden, I had peace in my life. All of a sudden, it, something was different. Something had completely changed and I had happiness. I had peace in my life. You see, when God comes into your life, you have peace. When God comes into your life, you have happiness. Oh, everything around you may be in shambles. Everything around you may be in upheaval. But in your own life, God stills the waves. God stills your life. God handles every problem from the inside out and gives you a peace so that you can actually walk on the water. That's what God wants to do in your life and my life. It's amazing. It's amazing. As I travel, these dear people, here in, here in North America, sometimes it just drives me crazy. We talk about, we talk about truth and we, we try and share with people God's truth. Oh, and they struggle with it or they don't want to hear it at all. But back and forth and back and forth about truth. These people hear one program, one program, and they say, this is the truth. And they alter their entire lives because of it. Everything, they change everything after hearing one message. How is it with you? How is it with me? After one message. This fellow, we, we, traveled, we traveled for hours in Madagascar. We'd heard about this, this area and this fellow, and we wanted to find him. We stopped at this village. Oh, it's about 11 kilometers. What they didn't tell us, it was 11 kilometers straight up. And we were in this four-wheel drive, a fellow who didn't know how to drive a four-wheel drive. We're going up with him, and pretty soon he's slipping the clutch and slipping the clutch, and, and smoke is beginning pouring up around us and everything. You know, he's burning the clutch up. And we're thinking, as soon as he loses the clutch, we're going down this mountain. We're starting to get very scared. And I'm telling Terry, my, my uh, uh, head videographer in front seat, I said, you need to tell this guy how to get it in four-wheel drive low range. You got to somehow get him stopped. He finally got him stopped, put it in four-wheel low range, and the guy lets out the clutch. You know, he jerks forward. and Wow, he gets a smile on his face. He'd never had it in that gear in his whole life. Cool. And now we're putting up the mountain and, and getting up there and 
And uh, finally, the, you know, everything's cooling off and the clutch is cooling off and the smoke is finally dissipating out of the cab and I can breathe again. And, and uh, we get up to the top and here's a little church there and a little Catholic church actually there. And we, it's the only place to park. And just, you know, it's, it's a mountaintop almost. Well, they send a runner to go get our fellow to find him. And he comes and he begins talking with me and that sweet little guy. He says, you know, he said, I heard your program. And he said, I knew it was the truth. I said, what, what was the topic? He said, the Sabbath. I went home and grabbed my Bible. I began studying. He said, yes, I knew it was the truth. And I went to church and I told everybody, you should follow this. You should be doing this. And they kicked him out of church. And he was the leader of that church. They kicked him out. I said, what did you do then? He said, I went down the mountain. I wanted to find more people who believed what God said. He got down the mountain. He found the Seventh-day Adventist. And he began studying with them. And he was baptized. He came back up the mountain. Came back up the mountain. And I said, what did you do then? He said, I built a church. I said, you did what? He said, I built a church. And there it is. And he pointed right across the valley in this beautiful little church right near his home. He built it with his own hands, with his own money, in his own time and labor. I said, well, how many, how many people did you have with you, believers? Nobody. Nobody. No, he said, but I knew they would come. I said, well, do you, do you have anybody now? Oh, he says, yes. He says, I have 30 people now. That's the power of God. That's the power of God. That's what God wants to do in each one of our lives today, is to transform us and change us into His image and give us a strength, give us a courage, give us a, a no-so religion. He that has the Son has eternal life. And with that, with that power, as we go with God, nothing will detour us from our mission. Remember back when I sat in church and the Lord said, the Holy Spirit may be poured out all around you. You're never going to recognize it or receive it. But praise God, when I finally woke up and God spoke to my heart, by the way, I'll, I'll give you just a little vignette. How did that happen? Well, I went, talked with a friend, orthopedic surgeon. He was having the same troubles. My life is not right. There's something going on here. I just have a more of a hunger and there's something missing. We got together on Friday night. He had a study guide. He'd, a friend had told, or a brother had told him about this study guide. Twelve, Twelve weeks. You had to sign it. You had to sign and commit to spend time in study and prayer with God each day. Why, from this study guide and looking what you had to do, that meant almost an hour a day. I didn't have time to study and pray an hour a day. That was impossible. I had so many things to do. I had so much, so much happening in my life. I, 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 you know, I was involved in this and involved in that and doing this and doing that and making all this money to support every, all the properties I owned and all these things. Everybody else signed. Meeting continued. Meeting's almost over. They plug in a, they plug in a, a, a video. That preacher was preaching just to me. Jim, you've piled up so much stuff in the front of your door. If God knocks on, the, on your door to gain entrance, to have you go and do for Him, you can't even get to the door. You can't even get to the door. You've got so much there. You can't even open the door to God. 
Tears coming down my eyes. It was just like that toilet bowl experience years before. God was calling me again. Walking toward the door. Everybody else is almost out the door. And I finally signed it. I finally signed it. Wow. And guess what? I found the time. You know how I found the time? God said, first of all, get rid of all the premium channels on television. Get rid of all the filth on TV. All the stuff that's talking about four-letter words and everything. Oh, that really lifts you up, doesn't it? That, all those premium channels really lift you up. I got rid of all those things. And all of a sudden, I had time to get back in the Word of God. All of a sudden, I began hearing the Holy Spirit again saying, Jim, this is the way. Walk ye in it. <laughs> and my life has never been the same since. It's been exciting. It's been thrilling. Why has it been thrilling? Because I've allowed God to work in my life. Maybe this morning, maybe you haven't spent the time you need to spend in the Word of God. Maybe you haven't taken that time because there's something else that's drawn you away. Family, friends, life. Because you see, the devil, God gave Ellen White this vision about this speeding train. Remember, she saw the train, it's going, heading faster and faster and faster, and it seemed like the whole world was on this train. And the conductor was the devil. And she looked and says, Lord, where, where are your people? Where are your people? Look, the angel said, in the opposite direction. Look in the opposite direction. God's people are going in the opposite direction. Brothers and sisters, it is time we all go in the opposite direction of the world. What do you say? God will allow each one of us to have His power, an incredible power. I'm going to be talking about it every day this week. It's going to be PowerPoint presentations, unlike anything pretty much I was telling uh, Elder Gallimore that, that have done before, but I've been so impressed that I need to do this in this way, using, using the Bible and Ellen White in a way that I believe is so powerful. But for those of you who may be listening today, I hope you come in person because you need to see what's on the screen. You need to see what's, what's going on here now in this world today. I've been so privileged to be on the Revival and Reformation Committee of the General Conference. And I tell you, God is preparing a people for His soon coming. Are you prepared? Are you prepared? The only way, the only way you're going to be prepared is through prayer and study. There is no other way. There is no other vehicle. No matter what you say, Oh, I can get along with five minutes of prayer and study a day. No, it's a lie of the devil. You cannot. You cannot. It might last for a short time, but a little money in the bank means drawing out a little money later on. And a little, a little withdrawal is not going to get you through the times that are coming. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Today is the day that you've got to commit more than you ever have in your whole life to spend more time in study and prayer. And I wonder today, how many this morning would say, yes, God, I want to commit to you by your power, by your strength, by your nudging, by your Holy Spirit to spend more time. Will you raise your hand? Amen, amen. Let's, let's have a prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we desperately need you. More than ever before, Father, the times are so near. Your second coming is so very near. But more than that, Father, there are so many that need each one of us. You have laid out a plan of salvation, and we are a part of that plan. Lord, if, if we don't get it together, 
there'll be others that are lost. That's, that's hard to even imagine, Lord, but you've told us it's true. It may be a spouse, it may be a child, a family member, a relative, a, a neighbor. So Father, I pray today that you would pour your Holy Spirit out on us as your people here. Those that are listening to Father, give us a great measure of your Spirit. Make us willing to be made willing. Change us, mold us, make us and shape us into your image. After your likeness. And please give us a yearning and a hunger and a desire to, to discover more of you. To taste the sweetness of God. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.